How I want to start today is uh, with an older movie, but something that um, is exactly the tension that I want to try and build tonight. Check it out. So, Dave, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Well, I'm a, an executive assistant at a major pet products company. Dave, I don't want you to tell us what you do. I want you to tell us who you are. Oh, all right. Um, I'm a pretty good guy. I, um, I like playing tennis on occasion. Um, also, not your hobbies, Dave. Just simple. Tell us who you are. I just... Maybe you could give me an example of what a good answer would be. Um, what did you say? <laughs> you want Lou to tell you who you are. <laughs> no, I just... Uh, I'm a nice, easygoing man. I might be a little bit indecisive at times. Um, Dave, you're describing your personality. I want to know who you are. I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I want to answer your question. Just not, not doing it right, I, I guess. I think we're getting a picture of Dave. Let's move on. <laughs> as, you're, as you're watching that, you're probably going, what would I say in that scenario? Who, who are you? And that's the type of tension that hopefully by the end of just this week, hopefully, maybe even the end of tonight, you're going to be able to come up with some type of, of something that stands against what the world's going to throw at you. Because the truth is, I, th I feel like identity is one of the, the life hacks in my life that when I was able to really understand who I am, and not only who I am, but whose I am, I was able to stand up against a lot of what the enemy throws because most of what the enemy throws is going to be at your identity. Or, or at least some aspect of who you are comes into jeopardy whenever attack comes or whenever we fall into sin or any of that stuff. And so I want to talk about that tonight because once I was able to at least get some type of grasp on that, it really unlocked a lot of things for me in general. Because the truth is, if, if the, the enemy or the world, just the world, throws something at me, if I answer that question of who are you with simply... Well, my name is Will, and I'm an organ donor from Grand Junction. Doesn't exactly stand up against the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, does it? Not, not exactly. It doesn't stand up to the world, because the world is slowly stealing us away. Life will rob us of our purpose and our passion, and we can end up wandering aimlessly. Think of it like this. I feel like life does this thing where it just kind of throws us these puzzle pieces. It gives us different parts uh, of our lives, and some of them good, some of them bad. And the thing is, as life gives us these different pieces of the puzzle, we're, we're filtering by whatever piece that we see. And so, uh, you know, sometimes life has given us a promotion, and, and all of a sudden we got a promotion thrown at us, and then, and then it gives us a heartbreak, and then gives us a, a crazy tragedy, but then gives us something else, and, and puzzle piece after puzzle piece. But the truth is, as life throws these things at us, we start to base who we are simply on the piece that's in front of us like the season that we're in. Each puzzle piece can be a season. This could be the, the, the edge piece of when I have kids that are under two. 
and it's messy and I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I start basing who I am off of a particular season or, or tragedy or particular thing and I can't see past that. See, I just wanna know what does the front of the box look like? Because I believe that God gives us the front of the box. That from, from the beginning of time, he already knew the front of the box. And he has the answer. He can show you, whoa, well, it looks like this. And we, and we see those dark clouds were uh, a crazy shark or something like this, like on this puzzle particularly. It wasn't who I need to base myself out of. That was a season of life that might have been tough, but it was a portion of the whole that God made me. So tonight, I hope that we can discover that front of the box and what that looks like. God wants to show us the front of the box for identity. What he wants to do through the Holy Spirit tonight is to show us that, to show us who we are, who he made us to be. Now, usually before our feet hit the floor in the morning, we already have a story that's for the day. And usually we can create that story out of just one or two of these pieces. But before our feet hit the floor, I mean, how fast do our minds go to everything that's happening? What if the first thing we go to is the front of the box? Front of the box, right off, right off the bat. There's a beautiful moment in scripture where the father tells Jesus and tells the whole world who Jesus is. In Matthew 3, verse 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, if you remember, this is right when Jesus gets baptized. Gets baptized, he comes out of the water, the heavens open, and God declares this over him, declares this. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That's what the father tells his son. Now, if you recall between Matthew and three, Matthew four, like it's, they pretty much go right, right next to each other. The very next thing that happens is the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted, right? We talked about this a little bit last week. But it says, during that time, the first thing that happens, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So the first thing, the first thing that the enemy does is to question who Jesus is. If. What do you mean if? He just said it. Just the chapter before. Just a few verses before. And those like 40 days of him in the wilderness, but... This is what Satan still does to us. If. He starts to throw those, those ifs out there. And I, think, I believe before we even start our days, this is an attack of the enemy already. If this is who God really called you to be, and he's going to try and get you to shift out of that for the rest of your day, or whatever that could be. And this isn't an attack that's creative. He's doing the same thing that he did to Jesus, and Jesus was able to overcome. So, how do, where do we start when it comes to who we are, to our identity? I want to go back to the beginning again. It's, it's not every week that I'll go back to Genesis immediately, but I want to go back to the beginning again. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. This verse honestly helped me get over my fear of sharks. No joke. I'm like, this was my, a purpose from the beginning of time that I can rule over the fish of the sea. 
the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. Everybody say image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. No other creation was formed with his hands. Isn't that interesting? And maybe you've already picked up on that. You've known that before, but just think about that. God spoke everything else into creation. Everything else, he spoke in it, and it happened. Now, the garden was a little bit different because he actually planted the garden, but it was for mankind. But mankind, he stooped down, and with his, with his hands, with his actual hands, he made man. And from the rib, he made Eve. Like, that makes right there a so much more different than just part of the universe or part of creation. We are something more significant. I heard this quote by a pastor, and I love it. It says, God had a dream, and he wrapped your body around it. When sculptors see a, a, just a piece of clay or a piece of marble, it's like there's a dream that they're trying to get out of it. And when God molded you, it's like he had a dream, like you particularly, and he wrapped your body around it. I love that. We are made in his image. We're made in his image. That's just clear DNA stuff. We're just made in his image. But we need to say yes to his likeness. So we're made in his image. That's, that's just normal, normal DNA stuff. God is creative, so you are creative. God's relational, so you are relational. We're, we're, we're created in his image. We don't choose that. That's something that's just given to us. Like we're, we're there. But we need to say yes to his likeness. His likeness is different. We have, we have an action. We have a part to play in this identity. Likeness is saying yes to that image. This isn't generic stuff. That This is the, the specific things that God has created you personally to be because he's limitless. So your personality, right? My, my personality, there's a, a portion of what those, it was created, it was modeled after something and it's God's personality. I love Jesus' sense of humor. You know he has one? He does. And if you haven't ventured down that part of your relationship with Jesus, please do. You will not regret it. There's been so many times where Jesus has just made me laugh, just to make me laugh. I was hunting one time. Side note, I was hunting, and uh, I wasn't seeing a thing. I was turkey hunting. I had the, a, like a river behind me. I was under this roosting tree with turkey sign everywhere. Every, any second, I'm like, a turkey's going to come out of anywhere. But I had my Bible. And I'm just like normally what I would do and if I'm just sitting there for an afternoon. I'm just reading. And I, I just sense Jesus' presence there. And I just, I can sense that he's in like a joking mood, kind of. And, and this is so cheesy. And I love dad jokes. I love cheesy things. Like it's just, just, part, of, just part of who I am. I'm saying yes to his likeness, okay? And, and, and he references the river that's behind us. And he goes, do you know what I call that? And, and so to... to formulate the joke for you. What does Jesus call a river? A treadmill. That's what he told me because he walks on water. So he just sits there. He's just getting a workout while I'm doing, when I'm turkey hunting. He's just sitting there walking. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. I thought it was the funniest thing. One time I was praying and, and in the circle with, the, with a bunch of the youth staff, we're all praying. And I just, I felt like Jesus was in our little huddle with us. And I just like, I felt like an impression of him in his robe and sandals. And I was like, Jesus, why are you in a robe and sandals all the time? 
And he just goes, super comfy. And then he goes back to praying. <laughs> and that's all it is. And these little things like that, just little stuff like that. And I, I challenge you, just in your personal relationship with him, just, just start leaning into that sort of thing because he is funny. And it's part of his, his likeness, that personality, that the thing that, that, <laughs> that makes you you. That's part of his likeness as well. We are modeled after something. We're created in his image and in his likeness. And that's significant. Who he is to you, he will be through you. That's another way to look at his likeness. Who is Jesus to you? Ask yourself that question. Lord, who are you to me? Because chances are the way, like what he is to you, he'll end up being that through you in different ways as well. If God is, a, is, a, is this father to you, chances are, if you're a guy, you'll be a father He'll be a father through you. You give him access to be able to do that. Whether you have children or not, that is part of who he is. It's crazy to, to think about if he is redeemer to you, chances are you'll have an opportunity to be redeemer as well, meaning that he can do that through you. It's his likeness that we say yes to, and we start opening our minds to that, that Jesus is, I'm, I'm created in his image and his likeness, all of a sudden, who we are, becomes more like him and more like you as well. To put it another way, I believe that each of us, every Christian out there has two different destinies, to look more like Jesus and to look more unlike anyone else ever created. Two destinies, look more like Jesus and at the same time, look more unlike anyone else ever created. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make duplicates. There's no cookie cutter up in heaven, a conveyor belt of some kind. That's not how it works. Pastor Senior was talking about this stuff, right? We're created individually. We are. In his image and in his likeness and individual. Only he could come up with something like that. As unique as you, as special as you. So how do we even start writing, writing it out like who, who God says you are? Because we still have this question. Who are you? We still have that question that we have to deal with. We're like, and now we can maybe start to formulate some things like I'm created in God's image, in God's likeness. But where do we start? Where do we start with it? I think about like this. So I had uh, Sheila, thank you again. And Jen got me this puzzle, wherever you are, Jen. Thank you very much. There she is. Told you, I'll do it. Um, so this, this is a, a tool that I don't know what it does. <laughs> It's, I, I had Sheila tell me what it does, but like when just looking at it, I have no idea what this could be. And maybe some of you know there's like a little knob here on one end. It's got this swivel part on the other. It's, it's got a stopper that's got a little guide um, screw that you could probably, you know, put it where you need to. But how would I go about figuring out what this does? Google. 100%, absolutely, I could. And Google probably give me some ideas. You can even image search stuff like this. Um, Google would have definitely some ideas. I could ask people that I just know, know, like, know more things about things. Like John, I'm sure you maybe have a clue. Um, but if I really want to know exactly what this thing was, oh, but think about this. What if I want to know what it was called? Google might tell me like what it does. But like, if I were to know, if I would wanted to know what its name was and exactly what its purpose was, I would need to ask whoever made it. Whoever created this thing would tell me exactly what its name is and exactly what its purpose is. 
Who you are equals whose you are. The only way you know who you are is to go to the person that created you, which is God. Go to the one that created you. This is an elevator key, by the way. If you want to mess with someone, you just get in there. <clears throat> or to save someone. Save somebody, too. <laughs> Fire department needs to know where that is. Make sure we put that back right where it goes. <laughs> if someone's stuck in the elevator, just let me know, okay? <laughs> Who you are equals whose you are. So one thing I want to talk about is a quick two, two statements of, of just who, simply who, whose are you? Number one, you are a son or a daughter of a God of radical love. Radical love. Radical love is a love that's fierce, that's ever present, that's passionately pursuing every inch of you, every inch of us. The basis for this love is found in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.20. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. We learned that last week, right? But now in these last days, he's been revealed for your sake. God chose Jesus as a ransom for every sin that you'd ever commit long before the entire world began. That's radical. If you think of, of radical, I almost like to think of, like if we think of people that are in a certain religion and then the radicals, like, they are far outside of anything in what we would call normal if we say you were radical. This is God's love. Radical. We are sons and we are daughters of a God of radical love. Love that's ever pursuing. You think of the Corey Asbury song, Reckless Love. Leaving 99 to go after the one. This is who God is. And if we are sons and daughters of a God of radical love, that tells you something about you as well. Who you are equals whose you are. You are a son or daughter of radical, radical love that's fierce, that's always pursuing you. I remember sitting in a waiting room at community hospital, waiting for my knee to get looked at again uh, for something that <laughs> happened. I can't even remember which injury it was. Um, but I had, I had torn it up, and I started listening to a podcast of a, of a pastor talking about who we are. And he unpacked this verse and it changed. Like if there's anywhere this life hack lives tonight, it's in this verse, Matthew 13, 44. This is a one sentence parable that Jesus laid out for uh, his, his followers. And he did a couple of these, but he basically illustrates the entire kingdom in one verse. So that's like the mega theme of the Bible that we talked about last week. But Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And we can look at this and like, I think it's pretty simple. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. The man that discovered it would be me because the kingdom of heaven is awesome. It is. And in my, in, in my excitement, I'm like, wow, I need this. I want to possess this. So I, I, I cover it so it doesn't get stolen or lost or anything like that. And I, I go away and I get rid of the things that I, like bad relationships and sin struggles and all the, like, all the different things that might separate me so to where I can like get enough like money to possess the whole thing and then I can own the treasure. I can own the treasure. I go away, do that work, and I, and I get the treasure. And that's... Not a terrible interpretation. That, that feels pretty good. It does. It does. This pastor, as he starts unpacking this, he changed my entire outlook on it. And I love it. 
because I, I want to challenge that interpretation of this, this parable for three different reasons. The first one is, I don't think the kingdom of heaven can be covered up. I think it's too big to be covered. I think the kingdom of heaven is a little too vast. Second reason, I don't think the kingdom of heaven is for sale. Right? I don't think God's like, for the right price. That's a great location. Recession-proof, this location. I don't think that's truth. And, and if it was for sale, the kingdom of heaven, I don't think I could afford it. I don't. And so I was challenged by that interpretation of me going away and, and, and doing all these things to be able to obtain the kingdom of God. So instead, I offer this interpretation. The kingdom of heaven... It's like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement. He hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Well, the field is the world. And there's other parables that Jesus talks about, the field being the world. That's common in a lot of his different um, illustrations. The field is the world. The man is Jesus. The treasure is you. You're the treasure. Jesus saw you from the cross and said, you're worth it all. And he went away and he sold everything he had. He gave his life for you. And he purchased the whole world, the whole field he purchased. He purchased the entire world, but it was for you. We are sons and daughters of a God of radical love. Sons and daughters of a God that would give his only son because you are worth it. See how the striving melts away with that? That Jesus paid the price for you, for me. And we can, we're able to now stand as going like, wait, I'm valued? I'm treasured? What is the world going to say against your identity? You're worthless. You have no value. Jesus says, that's not true. You're treasured. We serve a God, radical love, radical love. This isn't a parable about you doing something to get the kingdom. It's about Jesus doing something to get you. It's that simple. That's how the king, he illustrated the whole kingdom of God like that. That's how simple it should be. Romans 8 38 and 39 outlines his love. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love or from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oof. He's a God of love. Number two, your sons and daughters of a God of scandalous grace. Scandalous. Think of a scandal. Oh, man, you want to get to the bottom of the scandal. We even want to get to the bottom of, like, Europe's scandals. It's not even our business. And we want to know. We do. We want to know. We want to know about all the different things. And that's the thing. If you think about a scandal, think about the news stories and all the media that, like, it just churns up all this stuff, but like, what if you put that idea of scandal in front of grace? Scandalous grace. That's what Jesus did to buy the whole field that we just learned about. 
He came to earth, all God, all man. He left his glory. Think about that, the Christmas story. He left his glory in heaven to live as a human. That's a scandal. That is a scandal. To inevitably die for all the humans that at that time, before and after, will continue to sin. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's scandalous. It's this grace that knows no bounds, that he offers grace to everybody. His grace that empowers us, that sets us free, that grace that he died for us while we were still sinners. That's something significant. This grace, it dominates every aspect of who you are. John 19.30, talked about last week. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, what did he say? It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Grace gives us the ability to live like it's actually finished. His grace says you are forgiven. Even though he knew you would still sin, that doesn't make sense that he would pay the price for that, knowing that when we accepted him as Lord and Savior, that we would continue to mess up. That's grace. We don't deserve it, but he still freely gives it. Grace is empowering. Pastor Tim explained it like, I'm kind of like a superhero nerd sometimes, a little bit. So like Wolverine, I don't know if you guys are familiar, he's got like the spikes that come out of his. But one of the main things that he would do is like, like bullets would hit him and he would just like, and heal and the bullets would like, and pop out. That's like, that's the empowerment of grace. That like all these arrows, all these things from the enemy can fly at you and hurt you. Jesus still offers grace and healing, and he still offers grace and forgiveness, and he still offers grace and redemption. He still offers grace through this wholeness that he gives you because he says you're worth it. You're sons and daughters of a God. Radical love and scandalous grace. Jesus already paid the price. There's nothing that we can do that will take that away. No sin, no thought, no action. No feeling that will ever take back what Jesus did for you. Never. If it doesn't sound too good to be true, then it's not grace. And if what he says about you isn't too good to be true, then it's not you. Identity is bestowed. It's not earned. We don't earn who we are. We don't. That parable outlined it. We're already treasured. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew your name before the creation of time. I think it's time that we ask him who we are. It's time to ask him. See, the key to who you are is whose you are. We are sons, daughters of God, a radical love and scandalous grace. So tonight, you must allow God to define you. You must allow the Holy Spirit to identify whose you are to find out who you are. Because if you don't, then life is going to try and steal it away. The enemy is going to try and steal and kill and destroy. So tonight, I, I want us to ask the question, God, what does the front of the box look like in my life? What's the front of the box look like? For me, the front of the box looks like this. I am who he says I am, a mighty tank of a man. 
I'm a first responder to the wonder of my creator, a resolute protector, fiercely defending every inch of me that was given to me by my daddy. I'm tenacious in my praises, unrelenting in my repenting, strong-willed and still in the presence and the promise of he who deemed me worthy. I'm a hunter of love and an angler for my savior. I've watched the waters for lost sons and daughters. I'm a warrior poet, a 21st century Benaiah. Whether I'm in a pit killing lions or on the plains killing giants, my sword will be felt. I'm a husband to Robin, my diamond to creativity. A father to Ruby, my precious gem of joyous faith. A father to Liam, my gentleman, warrior, and lay down lover. Through me, my family will see the unrelenting love of God because my heart has heard him say, come and sit with me. And my heart responds, I'm on my way. Do you see how that stands up against what the world might throw? Do you see how that stands up against, like that has the teeth in my life that when temptation comes or when a, a tragedy comes or when I start to lose control a little bit, if I keep the identity in front of me, then it has teeth to it. And I'm able to stand in who God made me to be. Now, who I am and who you are is different. We're both made in the image of God. We both have to say yes to his likeness, but who I am is different than who you are. And so what, I'm not looking for this like slam poem Next week, okay, I'm not. <laughs> but what God's looking for is to reveal to you something, something. And that through asking him who you are, you'll get something, because I think that he is excited to tell you, that he wants to show you that front of the box. And maybe it's just a snidbit, but it doesn't need to be this big, long phrase. It's whatever you need to be able to rise up in the morning and say, this is who I am. My wife's statement, I love it. It's so simple. It's one phrase. I am a, a star on his walk of fame. That's hers. And that, that is everything she needs for the day. Everything she needs. I went around the office and I surprised some of our staff. Because this is a common theme that we do. At, well, we surprise each other. But a common theme that we do is just have our identity in front of us. So here's a few um, of the staff members that I found in a very short period of time. Jackson, who are you? I am a peacemaker. Peacemaker. Kellogg, who are you? I am a rising sun. Rising sun. Rocky, who are you? I'm a worshiper for God. John, who are you? I am strong. I don't have to hit back, but I can keep my hands up. I have champagne in my veins, poised to celebrate at any moment. Julie, who are you? I am his joy, and I'm a pit stop for where people need to come and they need to get filled up with his joy to give them strength and fuel to keep moving forward. It's just what, what he says to you. And the truth is, like, and, and as you hear other people's and as you get to the starting point that I want you to get to, like, like, you can take from other people's that, like, feel like God's stirring in you or something like that. Like, Sean and I have definitely bounced back and forth a few times in, in our identity statements. But it's one of these things that, like, God wants to say something to you. And it can be as simple in the form of an I am statement. And you can base that I am statement out of just any scripture. Like, he says we're more than conquerors, right? So you can say, I'm a conqueror. There might be a battle in front of you. And that's what you need. That's what you need to remember. And you feel the spirit speak to you in that. And it's like, it's like God is saying, yes, 
Like when you think about the times where someone else declares their identity out, I think of the movie Gladiator when Maximus declares who he is in front of the whole arena and you're just moved a little. When you do that, it's like Jesus in other people's going, yes, that's my boy, that's my girl. So this is the starting point. If you want to get to your study guides, the starting point right there, I want to give you time before the group discussion. I want to give you about eight to 10 minutes right now to do a few things. All right, on the top of your paper there, write your full name out, first, middle, last. Some of you may have, like, you get extra blessings if you got more than one middle name. It's pretty cool. Take a second and write that out on there. Then the next step I want you to do, stay with me, everybody. The next step I want you to do is I want you to, and if you might already know this, and if you need help, let us know, but I want you to look up the name, like your your meaning of your name. You were not named the way, like what you are by accident. Now, chances are there's something in there for you. There is. So this is what you do because you can find some crazy stuff on Google, okay? When I do this for other people, and I've done this in transformation deliverance settings, I've done this um, on retreat settings where you do this exact thing. Like, look up, say, the name meaning of, like, Will, which is Resolute Protector or Fierce Defender, which is part of my identity statement. Now, when you do that, there'll be, like, most of the Google, like, top hits. Don't click on any of them. Just look at some some of the words in just the little descriptions right away because most likely they're going to be similar. And just let God speak to that. So my first name, Resolute Protector or Fierce Defender. My last name, Brit, means from Britain. Not that, not like God didn't speak to me through that. <laughs> I was like, I'm an American. Uh, but so I just let that be. What I'm saying is don't, don't just like latch onto something because it sounds good or, or you, you feel like you have to let God speak. Let God speak in it. If you feel like God is bringing something like, wow, my, my name means, you know, like, like strength of God or something like that, then that's awesome. Like, follow that. But if it means, like, I found an, an alternate name meaning for my name, it means speckled. And I was like, well, <laughs> sure. But I, I never really cling to it. And then one day, one of my, I can't remember who it was. Was it you, Corbin? Did you say this about speckled? You might have. It was one of the guys from our group. But they said, like, like Jacob, did someone say, yeah, Jacob and the, and the sheep, he separated out the speckled ones, and it brought him great prosperity because of that. And I was like, well, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> so, like, give it some time. All I'm telling you to do here, work through this starting point. Take a couple minutes right now. Do a little search on your name if you'd like. If you can help each other, do it. But try and do this personal first, because I want you guys to take this to your group discussion, and I, and I want you to be able to, like, share what you found. So try and do it individually first. Write down a few quick meanings of your name. Then after that, Bible characters, Bible imagery, passages that mean a lot to you, write them down. Chances are they mean a lot to you because God's speaking to you about it. So take some time. We're going to fade up a little bit of music just to kind of give some people some privacy a little bit. I'll give you about five minutes because a lot of you started going right away, and I love it. 
And then we'll come back about how to steward our identity. Hopefully you're able to get something down. Um, I want to quickly go over a little bit of how to steward this this week before I dismiss you to your group discussions. In your group discussions, you have some really cool opportunity to encourage one another right now too. Um, If you have, like, maybe you've known the person at your table for a lot of years, something like that, you can also do a thing called when I look at you, I see. And so, like, for an example, like Corbin, when I look at you, I see a lot of strength. You've, you've risen through a lot in your life, and there's a lot, and I know you're not, like, super old, but you have this old soul that has learned through experience, and there's a strength about you that I've seen God work through. And so something like that, and that's just the truth about um, Corbin, and Corbin and I are in a men's group together, and we've, we've done things like this before, so I'm just saying, if you feel comfortable in your group setting to, like, just speak some encouragement to someone, it can't hurt. It can't hurt. You have a unique opportunity to do something like that. But what I want to do really fast is talk about a few different ways to steward this. Some of you might have an identity statement of some kind. Do, do, do any of you have some I am statements that you'd probably be like, I know a little bit. Awesome. Anybody? Some I am statements? Four of us, three of us? I love it. You got, I want to see, like, your challenge this week is to get at least one I am statement, okay? One I am statement that you feel like you heard from God this week. And it could be something as simple as, I am strong. Something you find in scripture. Maybe there's a character that moves you. Benaiah, in my, in my um, identity statement, which I'm excited because our new series, Unsung, we're going to tell his story. I love his story. I won't ruin it right now. Um, but think about those different things in, in, your, in your walk and in your life. So how can we steward our identity? The first thing is what you're going to do. You've already started doing Write it down. Write it down. That's the best way to steward your identity. I challenge you to write it with your own hand by pen. Don't just type it into your phone, but if that's what you need to do, go for it. Like, however you want to write it down, write it down. You only keep what you fiercely defend, what you fiercely defend. So write it down. Step number two is don't water yourself down. Don't water yourself down. Don't water yourself down just because the world can't handle you at 100 proof. God made you, you. There's a lot of different scenarios where we feel like we need to like water who we are down a little bit. God did not call us to be mediocre. He didn't call you to water yourself down. Be you. Now, obviously, for some of you, that might be a little bit more punchy than than others. God still made you, you. So figure out what that looks like and ask God, am I watering myself down in this situation, in this conversation? Or am I really stepping into who I am? Number three, we need to understand rejection's impact on our identity. Because what is rejection? It's literally someone rejecting who you are at some level, right? And the truth is, we all get rejected. We do. But think of it this way. This is how I really, and now don't get me wrong, there are certain rejections and betrayals and hurts that are real, and they're deeper than what I'm talking about. So I I understand that, like, don't hear me out. I'm not trying to minimize rejection. But when it comes to simple things, simple rejections, um, passing comments, looks that people give us, things like that, think of it this way. If you walked into a car dealership onto the lot or on the floor, and you were interested in, of course, we all go up to the car we can't afford, right? We're like, wow, this is nice. I can watch Netflix and it drives itself. That's amazing. (laughs) 
And, the, and imagine the salesman comes up to you and says, all right, let's write it up. Let's do it. What do you tell that person? Something else, right? You tell them, not, maybe not right now, or, or I'm, just, I'm still browsing, like I'm, I'm just not ready yet, I'm going to take some time. You end up rejecting that person, but not because of who they are, right? You can't afford the car. So I submit to you, if someone rejects you, they just can't afford you yet. That's all it is. That's all it is. Right? Do you see how that protects your identity? Your identity can stand in the face of that. Like, okay, they just can't afford me yet. That's fine. I'll move on. And if you have that identity in front of you consistently, then you'll be able to get to that place quicker. But a passing look, a passing comment, things like that, the enemy uses that to dig in. But if you realize, okay, they just can't afford me yet, that's fine. Like, you're able to move on with minimal damage, so to speak. Now, again, there's some big rejections, big hurts out there. I'm not trying to minimize those. So that's what we need to do. The last one, declare who you are to other believers. That's important. If I hadn't started declaring who I was in front of other people, I don't think I ever would have kept it. I never would have kept it. But the, what's really awesome about this, when you get to a life group setting, you start declaring who you are in front of those people, they'll hold you to it. Sean, not too long ago, I was like talking about some hurts in my past and some different things I was struggling with, and I was just negative, and I was critical, and I was, all this stuff. And he was like, this isn't who you are. Like he stopped me mid-conversation. And it was like this, smack, in a loving, brotherly way. And I'm like, you're right. And it, my whole perspective changed. It was awesome because he knew who I was. And he was able to remind me. I have his identity statement in my phone, on recording, and I'll bring it out if he needs it. I challenge you, if you have those people close to you, share it with them. They'll only be encouraged, and they'll be like, yeah, you are. And then you're like, now I want to hear yours. You have one week. Um, but I'm going to release your discussions. I know we're running a little bit later tonight, but I wanted to get you to that starting point first. Dig into those discussion questions with one another. If you are going to jet out of here, I challenge you, Share with someone. If, if anybody, me. Share with me. I'd love, 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 love to hear what you're writing down, what you're thinking. So you can email me. If you're listening to this recording, I'd, you're not alone. If you're going to do this, please share it with me. But let me pray, um, and then we can go to our group discussions. Jesus, we love you, God. We ask you to speak. We ask you to move. Lord, tell us who we are. We know whose we are, and that's it's yours, God. So as we know we're created in your image, right now we say yes to your likeness. We want to be like you. So God, give us some verbiage to that. Give us some things that we need in our day to keep us in front of our faces. Lord, we love you. We thank you in your name. Amen.